I can understand why people like to reinterpret some of these verses as, okay, God's moving me individually. Well, one of the reasons might be because if, if God has everything and is doing everything and it's really not me at all, then I don't really have any responsibility and I can just relax. That, yeah. But that's not what it says. All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. So, hello, hello. Um, funny thing, we are closing in on like 200 episodes that we've done. That's crazy. I know. Here pretty soon we'll be reaching that point. So kind of to kick things off, I would love to hear maybe how long you've been watching or what one of your favorite discussions was. Um, maybe a third thing would be if there's something that you really have been wanting to ask but you haven't reached out and asked yes, us about, please, uh, especially related to a passage. Mm -hmm. um, we're kind of looking at what we want to do heading into that end of the year, coming up 200th episode sort of timeline. but And, and next year and how we're going to proceed. Yeah. But we're thankful that you've been watching with us for however long that was has been, whether that's been for this past several years or maybe this is your first one. Dan, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, um, a person sent us in a question mm -hmm. about God's plans for us and I think mentioned a particular scripture. So why don't you yeah. use that and tell us what we're going to look at here this morning. They specifically were talking about the concept that everything has a time and a purpose and a reason for it happening. That seems to be a really popular uh, thing to discuss in mm -hmm. church or Christian circles and things. And they mentioned this passage from Ecclesiastes chapter three, where it's everything has a season. There's a matter. Uh, everything has a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And mm -hmm. then it goes through a time to be born and planted and killed and so on and so forth. Yeah. So people have taken a passage like that, maybe that specific passage and said, OK, so everything that happens has a reason. And so I guess the question is, is that mm -hmm. really the case? Is that what this passage is telling us? Yeah. Okay, in this passage in Ecclesiastes 3, <clears throat> um, he's, he's talking, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, about the purpose of life and the meaning of life. Mm. And uh, he's talking about, you know, is the purpose of life to have pleasure? Is the purpose of life to study and learn everything there is? Is the purpose of life to build great buildings and projects and cities? You know, mm. uh, what is the purpose of life? And he keeps saying, all is vanity, driving right. after the wind. And as he's doing this little poetic section here in chapter 3, he's just saying that, you know, in life, mm -hmm. in general, there are appropriate times for appropriate things. There are times when it's a planting time. There are times when it's a, a, a harvesting time. There are mm -hmm. times when... People die. There are times when people are born. These are facts of life. Okay. He's, he's not saying in this passage that God has a specific time that he's planned for you mm. to do each one of these things. He's telling people in this passage that these are things that happen in every life and these things will come to you. There will be times of this and times of that and yeah. times of these other things. Yeah. But he's not really saying, you know, if I'm in a particularly good time in my life, you know, I've really been hitting on all cylinders, things at work are going well. It's not really for me to say, oh, this is my God appointed time of harvest. You know, this is my God appointed time of, of prosperity. No, that's really 
that's really not the focus of this passage. Okay. It's just more saying there's a natural order to the things that happen in the world around that's us. That's right. Okay. And there will be all these times, and there are appropriate times to do all of these things. Okay. So I know this isn't the only passage that people tend to go to to ask that question or to see in the Bible, it, seems, it feels like it's being told to us or we are being told yes. that God has specific plans for us. So right. I guess lead us through some of those other ones. Well, one of the most popular is Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay. Let's look that one up. All right. Jeremiah 29 is, um, you know, if you read the prophet Jeremiah, it's in the context of winding down toward the destruction of Jerusalem and the Babylonian captivity. Mm-hmm. And if you will go to chapter 29, verse 4, and read just a few verses there. All right. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back from this pl- to this place. All right. So that's the verse that immediately precedes the plans for you. Yeah. Now, first of all, the you is plural. Okay. It's talking about the people of Israel who have been sent into Babylonian captivity. Mm-hmm. The place that you read, uh, the passage you read, God tells them while you're in captivity, make the best of your time, you know. Uh, marry and have children and be good to the city where you're living over there in Babylon, but I haven't abandoned you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fulfill my promise that I made before that you would be in captivity for 70 years, dot, 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 right. 11. Okay. And so then it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Who's the you there, Brother Jed? I believe that would be the people of Israel who are in captivity. That is exactly right. Okay, so I know the plans for you Israelites in captivity, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Then, So what he's going to do is he's told them in verse 10, when these 70 years are completed, Mm -hmm. I will bring you out of captivity. I know the plans I have for you, which are to return to the land. If you go back earlier in Jeremiah to Jeremiah 25. Okay. And go down to verse 11 and 12. He's saying the same thing there. It says, This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the kings of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. All right. So he said... I'm going to be, I'm going to have you in captivity 70 years. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to, I'm going to punish the people that took you captive and I'll bring you back home. Yeah. So God had that plan when he punished Israel Mm -hmm. to give them their taste of slavery and captivity and then bring people home after the captivity. That's the plan. 
that he has in mind. So reading that passage, it's, it's not disingenuous to the text to say, okay, this is a passage we can read to be comforted that God cares for his people. Yes. But probably not a, okay, so I can pull out verse 11 there and post, put it on my wall and say, okay, so God has a plan for me, thus no. says the Lord. No, that's the idea of, of God's plan. If you read through the prophets from first and second Kings and you see the people falling away more and more, from God and the prophets coming and begging them to come back and repent. Then mm. finally God saying, I've had enough of you people. Yeah. You're going to be destroyed and I'm going to send you into captivity. See, it's, it's not that each individual Israelite had a specific plan for him mm. or her. Yeah. It is that in God's relationship with his people, he told them ahead of time that if they didn't do certain things, he would do certain things to them. Mm which he fulfilled in the Babylonian captivity. Yeah. And then he said, after 70 years, a remnant of you are going to return. And that's what happens if you read in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, they yeah. return. Because like that's said. still part of his big plan to yes. redeem not only Israel, but all of humanity. Yeah. And, and so in this discussion, there's got to be a distinction between God's predestination, God's election, God's overall plan, mm -hmm. and... The idea that God has a specific set of things you yourself are supposed to do that are predetermined. One yeah. does not imply the other okay. at all. All right. All right. So let's look at a couple of others. Yeah. What else we got? One of the big ones that is used is Esther 4.14. Okay. You know, who knows that maybe you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Yeah. And that. It's Mordecai talking to her you know, about going to the king and all this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Esther, who knows, but what you're in the right place at the right time. And, uh, God has seen that you can be the one that takes care of this, you know, hmm. but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that Esther's life has been planned down to the T now that God wanted to deliver the Jews, that God had certain plans in mind for the Israelite nation, maybe so. Mm -hmm. And maybe he used this lady that was there at the right place in the right time for that. But that doesn't mean that every person in Israel had a step-by-step -step plan. You know, when I've read that, his statement to Esther, I almost hear a similar statement, uh, and you'll have to remind me of names because I'm terrible at it. But when, when the one guy in the group of the Jewish leaders at the end goes, hey, let's not stop this just in case it is of God. And if it yep. isn't of God, he'll take care of it. Yep. Um, in Acts chapter four and five, Gamaliel. There says, we go. You know, if, this is, if this is from God, you won't be able to stop it. But he was talking about the whole movement of the preaching of the gospel by the yeah. apostles. Is If this is a God movement, you won't be able to stop it. You'll be working against God. And that's, I kind of hear that there. He's going, you know, perhaps this is God moving through. It's not right. a statement of this is God's specific thing he wants for you, but yeah. why would you be held back? Or in that case, why would we stop something just in case this is God at work here? Yeah. In, in, um, for example, there's many other passages. Uh, God promised Abraham. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. Yeah. You know, in you and your seed, all the nations will be blessed. But then there came this great famine on the land of Canaan and mm -hmm. all the other nations around there. Yeah. And the seed of Abraham, the descendants of Abraham were threatened to be wiped out in mm. that famine. Yeah. 
But God, looking down through time, was keeping his promise to Abraham when he sent Joseph to Egypt, you know. Right. God said, now, I know his brothers are jealous of him, and I know his brothers want to get rid of him, and if they get rid of him, I'll just use that, and if he goes to Egypt, I'll just use that, and I'll make sure the people of Israel stay yeah. alive. So in that particular case, God used Joseph to save the nation alive. That doesn't mean that every step in between of his life was mm -hmm. planned out for him or every step of his brother's lives were planned out for them, you know, in every decision they made every day. Yeah. But the big plan of God. That was going to happen one way is, or the other. Yeah, which is predestined. Yeah. Was to save the nation of Israel alive. And those people mm. were at the right places and God used them to do that okay. particular thing. All right. Yeah. So we can be used in the great plan of God. And are if we lend ourselves to that, but that does not mean that every step I take through every day is pre-planned yeah. by God. Or possibly even that I was the only one who could have accomplished it. Exactly. If not me, somebody else. Yeah. So um, look at Romans 8, 28. We've talked about this passage before. Okay. And it might be worth one day doing a sort of a passage attack type thing and breaking mm. this yeah. verse down. But um, I challenge the listeners out there to get several different translations and look at this verse in the translations. Uh, Romans 8:28 is about the suffering that comes about in people's lives and how that God can use that suffering to accomplish his purpose. Hmm. Read your beloved ESV there in that. Um, I tell Jed, he should not marry translations. He should date them. But anyway, go ahead yeah. and read the ESV. That's why I have my NIV, all my right, ESV, right. and ahead. a literal. Yeah, anyway. Get your ESV and read it there. <laughs> all right, 28. And we know that for these who, for those, let me start that again. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All right. So there's so much we can say about that. But first of all, all things don't work by themselves. True. Um, the the literal, um, the Greek text there says, he works all things. It's the mm -hmm. person singular. And then the end of it, for those who are called according to his purpose. All right. So if you really structure that verse, and we'll have to spend another thing on this, it goes something <laughs> like this. To those who love the Lord and are the called. Mm-hmm. Uh, God works everything for good according to his purpose, meaning in your life, if you are one of God's people and you lend yourself to be used by him, mm -hmm. he will use your life for his purpose. In other words, he will work through you to accomplish his purposes. That doesn't mean he said, go to that one store and get your coffee this morning, Jed, mm -hmm. and park in that place. It means if you're open and ready to be used, he'll use you in your good time and he'll use you in your suffering. It's not that it's going to work out good for you in this life, but mm -hmm. it's going to be for the good of his purpose, according to his great big yeah. plan. And does it even mean that everything that happens is good? No. Yeah. All things in this uh, refer to all the suffering and all the trials mm -hmm. and all the everything else in your life. God will use it for his purpose. So if you pray every day, God, use me, work through me. You know, when I meet people, you know, may, may my speech influence them, work through me, use me in this situation. 
God will answer that prayer and he will use you for the good of his purpose, for the salvation of souls. Mm. That doesn't mean that, you know, every time you play ball with Judah or Asher, that God said, go play ball with them right now at this moment. You know, that that's not what that's about. Yeah. Okay. So it's not everything planned down to the moment, every every minor cut had a reason for that happening. You know, it was necessary for my life or anything like that. It's, yep. there is an element of the world is at work, like natural things occur all the time. But as far as like you keep praising it, our openness to God working through us. Yes. In whatever the season may be that we're in. Yes. Um, in Romans six, look at verse 12 through 14. It's talking about, who uses us and under what circumstances? Mm, yeah. Uh, Romans 6, starting in verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. All right, that's good. So depending on to whom you present yourself, mm. That is, if you present yourself to God and says, my hands are your hands, my feet are your feet, yeah. use me today. And if you're really open to that and looking for opportunities, God will use you for his purpose. Yeah. Uh, and the word there, um, instruments, is, mm -hmm. is the Greek word hopla, which means tools or weapons. Hmm. So this says that you are a tool or a weapon in the hand of God or... You are a tool or a weapon in the hand of Satan, mm. but that depends on your choices on to yeah. whom you present yourself. And this presentation of ourself okay. is a conscious thing that we must choose to do in order for us to be an instrument in the hand of God. We're not just puppets that God's going to, if we say, Lord, Use me today, and, and you're looking for opportunities. God will use you as a tool in his hand to mm -hmm. get stuff done. Okay. And also everybody else that does that. Yeah. But if somebody chooses to present themselves as a tool of Satan, then that's the then case Satan as well. can use them to do his will. But it's not that everything's pre-planned for you. Yeah. It's, again, we're... we're we have a bad habit of mixing up big picture plan of like God, like in our station right now, God's eventually working that Christ will come at the appointed time and all things will be made new and all these other things. That plan is going to happen no matter what. Well, and, and God's redemptive plan in Christ, which he promised yeah. to Abraham and that all, all are in Christ. Now, God wants every person to be saved. Mm. It's first Timothy two, three and four. Uh, Second Peter three nine. He's he's not willing that any should perish, but mm -hmm. all should come to repentance. But he does not like robots make everybody be saved or make everybody come to repentance. Yeah, that's depending on our choices. But his great plan of redemption, his will is mm. to save people in Christ. And as we give ourselves to God to work through us, He will use us toward that end. Yeah. And it's interesting when, when you think about this, for some people, they will find this message very freeing from the Bible. It's like, oh, I do have agency in my life. I can do oh, these absolutely. things, all this. But for some people, there's an element of they like the idea that God's making all the choices for them. 
and because then they can excuse the things that are happening and there's a reason behind everything. And so even when, when the world seems out of control, at the worst times, they can either blame it on God or thank God for it. <clears throat> right. And, and you almost take that away when you say, well, God's not really working every little thing. So I can hear kind of people loving this idea and people hating this idea. You know, it doesn't matter whether they love it or hate it. Yeah, I'm just going, I can understand why people like to reinterpret some of these verses as, okay, God's moving me individually. Well, one of the reasons might be because if, if God has everything and is doing everything and it's really not me at all, then I don't really have any responsibility and I can just relax. That, yeah. But that's not what it says. Hmm. Uh, what it says is that, you know, God, this is God's big plan for what he wants to accomplish in the world. Now, do you, Jed, or do, do you, Dan, want to be part of that plan and be uh, a tool in God's hand to accomplish that plan? Hmm. And if we decide yes and we give ourselves to that, then God will use us in, in accordance with our uh, prayers and dedication and et cetera, God will use us. That doesn't mean you'll have a happy life necessarily. True. So I guess I think I know you've got a couple more verses. Yeah. Things that we want to go through quickly to present to them that maybe they can look into kind of yeah. taking this framework and applying it to the context around it. Yeah. Let's look at another one from Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah okay. one. And this is one of those that can be certainly abused. And I meant to bring this up, but Look at Jeremiah 1, starting at verse 4. Mm -hmm. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. All right. So there, Jeremiah himself individually mm -hmm. was chosen and appointed by God to be a prophet to the nations. Mm. Paul almost repeats this almost verbatim in Galatians 1, 15 following, uh, mm -hmm. when it pleased God who, who um, uh, chose me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in mm -hmm. me, uh, you know, he's referring to Jeremiah 1, 5. Yeah. And he's saying, just like God chose Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nations, God chose Paul to be a, an apostle to the Gentiles, to the nations. Yeah. And so in the case of Special prophets like Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah, um, Amos, um, Elisha, Elijah, the apostles. God chose them like um, John, uh, John 16, 15, maybe see if it's 15, 16. Let's Look see. at John 15, 16. 15, 16 is you did not choose me. Yes. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And that's a perfect example of, of a passage that the Calvinists will take completely out of its context and use the wrong way because that's Jesus talking to the apostles around yeah. the Last Supper table. Yeah. And he says to those guys, those special men, you didn't choose me. Hmm. I chose you, mm -hmm. see, and appointed you. Yeah, like he says to Jeremiah. Um, so even in the the first chapter of Acts, Peter is Judas hangs himself, and Peter is saying, you know, we need to have another apostle to fill his ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, look at Acts one twenty one twenty two. 
so one of so one of the men who have accompanied us during that time that the Lord Jesus Christ went in and out amongst us, talking about let another take this office, mm-hmm. beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. All right. See, not all of those men. Yeah. One man, and that man was Matthias, mm-hmm. whom God chose to be an apostle. Mm-hmm. See? So there is a sense in which God has chosen in the Bible specific prophets, specific apostles, and he's called them to be his servants in specific ways. Mm-hmm. See? But the Bible doesn't indicate that that translates to all people, all Christians, yeah. that he does the same thing for us. So we don't want to... Tra- we don't want to take the idea being that God never chooses anyone, but God chooses very specific people at specific times, and those are clearly indicated in Scripture. Right. Yeah. And, and also clearly indicated is that, you know, after God chose those apostles, he didn't keep choosing more apostles and more apostles. Those were his apostles. And yeah. That was a temporary tort of, sort of thing. So. Okay. All right. So. Yeah. Um, we already talked about Second Peter 3, 9. Okay. Oh, let's look at Psalm 32, 8. All right. 8 and 9. I think that's one that is used in this context that can really be misused, but read it for us. Okay. Psalm 32, 8 and 9. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or mule without understanding, which must be curved with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. All right. So... Psalm 32, 8, just verse 8, is used by some of these folks um, to say that, <clears throat> okay, God is going to pretty much tell you, whisper in your ear every step of the way, I'm going to mm. teach you, I've got my eye on you, I'm going to direct you every step, you go this way, you do that. Yeah. But in the context of Psalm 32, this is David's sin, mm-hmm. David kept hold of his sin for a good long time, and then he finally confessed his sin, God forgave his sin. He found joy again in the grace of God. And then God says to him in verse 8, Now, David, you've messed up big time, but if you really want to know what I want for your life, then, you know, I'll teach you and tell you how you ought to act, but don't be like you've been, rebellious like a horse or a mule that that won't do what I tell you to do. He's talking about people Mm -hmm. who won't listen to God's will. Uh, David started out doing that, meditating in the law of God all the time, and he got sidetracked. A little. <laughs> and God said, look, if, if you want to be rejoicing in my grace, then you're going to have to go back to listening to my instructions and doing what I tell you to do. But that yeah. doesn't mean, David, go out this door. David, go talk to that person. It doesn't mean that. Yeah. He's giving the general instruction of listen to my counsel and my words and, and those sort of things. In, in God's word. That's yeah. right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. All right. Anything else? I mean, that's a that's a full coverage going. Yeah, I think we're good. I just want to encourage people to look at, as you said, the big plan of God in Scripture, hmm. the predestined redemptive plan of God. That's the thing that is predetermined. But the behavior of individuals is not predetermined. That's something we do by choice. Yeah. But God will use us every day. He'll work through us if we lend ourselves to him and walk in obedience to him. Okay. So hopefully that helps, provides a little more context to some of these 
Um, you, you don't want to call them pop verses sort of idea because, I mean, they are God's word. Well, but, but the words without the context are really yeah. not God's word because mm. the word only means what it says in its context. There we go. So a lot of times if you're reading something and it says for you or they or them, maybe go find out who the you, they oh, or them would be. That's what I'm talking about right there. Ah. That's, <laughs> look at, listen to that guy right there. Go find out who that is, and then if you can put that in the brackets and it still applies to you, great. If it was specifically to someone else, maybe appreciate what God was telling and the comfort that he provides through his larger plan, but don't interpret that you are that person. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for going through this. Thanks for being with us today. Um, share, do those comments. Like I said, we're coming up on the 200, so it's always great to hear from our audience. So thanks again, Dan, for your time. We'll see y'all next time. Bye.